Hello, everyone. And Isabella Reeds with Amazon Made Simple Podcast. And today, again, I am live with amazing guests. You know, I am picking only the best uh, on our in our industry. And today we're going to talk about something boring but fun. Because nothing is more exciting than shipping your uh, inventory into Amazon and all other places, especially when you're struggling with all these rates, containers, Air Express, and different, different type of the shipments. However, the background of every single business is always uh, more interesting because we are working with people. And uh, when you're finding out that like the former Amazon seller becoming a service provider and the service provider on a very high level that is going to like the high top level events and everybody's recommending this person and everybody's referencing like oh you know you actually have to work with tactical uh you want to know how why and what happened and why this this person is not the seller anymore and why he's doing what he is doing so welcome Ephraim ouch to this uh, podcast and thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure being with you, Isabel. And thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So uh, you told me that you are Amazon. You've been Amazon seller. When this journey started, how it started? Why did you stop doing it? Like where does where does the business disappeared? <laughs> and uh, like what happened? Right. So how it started was I started working. Um, in 2011, um, I joined the company. Uh, they were a local candy and chocolate company um, where I live in Brooklyn. And they had their four retail stores and then they had their own website. And I joined there. They're, they're a Jewish-based company, so they had the Jewish holidays where um, one of the most famous holidays is Purim. That's like basically the Jewish Halloween, uh, I would say. And part of the tradition is that everybody gives gifts to each other, like food gift baskets. So it has to be a combination of two different foods. So um, people buy it for their working colleagues, neighbors, family. So it's a huge part of the kids buy for their friends. So it's a beautiful piece of the holiday is just gift giving. And one of their main holidays was Purim. That was their biggest um, probably revenue stream of the year. Um, they sold bulk candy, bulk chocolate, bulk nuts, but uh, Purim was their main thing. So I was just looking for a job. Uh, I was right after, I think it was like a year after I got married. And I was looking desperately to find a job. And I told my wife, like, I'm going to just go pick up the classified uh, that we get, like in the local magazines that we, we buy. And I'm just going to apply for the first job that I see. And I just saw, like, we're looking for energetic salespeople to help us with our season. So, like, I enjoy talking to people. Let me try it. So I called them up, um, called me now for an interview, and then I started doing that. So I did in-house calls. People called in to order gifts. So I did that for about uh, six weeks before the holiday. And then I asked my boss, like, what do I do next? Like, do I stay here or just is it like a temporary thing? And he said, like, just stay here because we have the Passover season where they were like a Passover grocery. So for people that do like a Seder or something like that, and they live anywhere in the country and they don't have access to all the products, they had a website where they sold that. So I did that for another month because Purim was usually a month before uh, Passover. So I did that for another month and then I told him like, what's next? So he says like, we used to try to sell on Amazon last year and it didn't work out. So we closed the account, maybe try again. 
So all my friends at that age, 2011, was like the peak probably from when, when everybody jumped into Amazon. It was easy. It was uh, very little restrictions at that point. The Amazon PPC you was not even... You can have a lot of reviews. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. Amazon PPC was not even out there yet. It was just a very easy business to go into. <clears throat> so um, I told him, like, I'll speak to my friends and let me try it out. So I started doing that uh, the first... A couple of months, I was just listing products every day. So I went to the website, took the pictures, listed products. And after like two months, I felt like I'm really wasting my time because I wasn't that knowledgeable, like with keywords, optimization, how you do that. Because there was no PPC then. It came out, I think, in 2012 or 13. I'm not sure. I think 2012 it came out. Um, so I didn't, wasn't sure what I was doing. We had very little sales. So I started like looking for listings that did sell well. Um, and then started like putting myself onto that listing, like reselling product because they also had product that resold. Started moving that, and then I told them like I think I see their gift baskets, like different gift type of items that we could sell. And uh, let me try to list one. And I said like, like you say like yeah, try it. So I told them like for really to have good sales, we got to do FBA, like fulfillment by Amazon. At that time, we only did merchant fulfilled. And we barely had any orders. So, so he asked me how many. So like, let's start with 30 units. And he said, like, no, crazy, 30 units. It's a lot. Like, uh, what is if it goes bad? So um, I pushed them. We ended up sending in 25 units. That was right a week before Father's Day. It was received. So that was around Ju end of June. So um, doing that for a few months. And then in one day, we sold all 25 of it. I said, like, you see? So from there, we started building out more, more listings. Um, after I think doing it for like nine, 10 months, um, I felt like I really learned well the business. They didn't want to give me a commission, whatever, just regular conversations when employees talk with employers that uh, I'm bringing in sales. I like grew it, like, let me get something. So I decided like they were focused more on the Jewish holidays mainly. Um, I felt like it's a huge opportunity in the non Jewish holidays, like uh, Halloween, Christmas, um, Thanksgiving uh valentine's day mother's day father's day easter there's so many different holidays where i could really build on it so i opened my own gift basket business at that point and i did that for from 2013 till 2017 i was selling on amazon um it was some good years some harder years uh, especially the last year and a half is when amazon came out with a performance index inventory performance index and summer, I barely sold because it's perishable items. It's hot all over. It was, the Amazon was not going to accept the product. So summer was dead for me. And then building up again for the winters where in Christmas season, I sold around 30,000, 35,000 baskets. And they didn't let me um, send it into Amazon that many units at that time. And at the and same time... Doing, and you've been shipping by merchant. Yeah, but the sales wasn't it wasn't the same. So at the yeah, same time, okay. pricing on actual nuts products went up like crazy. There was some major drought in uh, South America where most of the nuts come in. Prices went up, so I had to increase my baskets as well, and I lost the buy box on all of it because you can't increase the rates. So I sent a whole sob email to um, Jeff at Amazon at that time, and basically sending them a picture of my kids. And telling them, like, I'm a small business owner, and if I'm not going to get the buy box, I can't do advertising at that point. And I can't even send everything into Amazon. Like, 
like it's really killing me and I'm going to lose everything because I already invested in baskets and I already purchased my orders. I didn't think I'm going to have that really, that's really going to impact me. So I put like the, you know, you do that reader, like you could see if somebody saw your email, like a uh, email check. So the first 30 minutes, nothing was happening. After 45 minutes, I started getting a notification that somebody saw my email. And then within 45 minutes after that, I got like 413 notifications that 400 people saw that email that I sent to Jeff at Amazon. Um, a couple of minutes later, I got a call from Jeff Bezos' executive team saying that we saw your inquiry. Um, we're going to look into it. We'll have a resolution within three to four hours. And then he gave me, he, they opened up my limits. I had no limits at all. And they gave me the buy box and everything. So that was, that year was saved. Um, so That's thank God we had a very- But I remember yeah. back to 2015, 2016, they've been working pretty fast. Right. Yeah, that's over. Uh, those yeah. days are over. Jeff yeah, at Amazon doesn't work over, anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at that time, I started, um, I did it all on my own. I had my own warehouse, my own staff. And like I started using a co-packer um, because I felt like I'm going to save a lot of money. I don't need the overhead from a warehouse. So I started going into that really trying to see if I could really save money because I had my staff. They were a great staff and I kept them for the whole year because I needed them for the time I needed them. And that my most of my sales came in Q4, not really the first three quarters of the year. Um, Valentine's Day is a one day holiday where probably half of America doesn't even care about it. Um, the other half does care about it, but like it's not it's a one day event. So it's not like you have a season for it. So um, I found the co-packer. We started uh, um, outsourcing it and all that. And at that point, I was like bored most of the time. It's like I'm seasonal. I was trying to figure out things what to do. And I'm like, um, and my dad owned a 3PL at that point. He started the company uh, in 2010. And he was a 3PL for just major retailers. So people that sold to Walmart, Target, big box stores. And he asked me, like, maybe you come and join the company here and, like, maybe we could build something out of this, like, make it more, um, you know, the Amazon world, like, maybe we could do something about it. So we we did a lot of thought and and I said, like, what are the pain points from an Amazon seller? So, like, I had to use a freight forwarder. I had to use a customs broker. I had to use um trucking company to pick up. I had to use a warehouse to do my co-packing and then deliveries into Amazon. So there's so many different aspects where I'm not good at logistics. I want to grow. I know how to do listings. I know how to do PPC. I know how to manage the branding and the growing side of the company. But the logistics side is a real headache and dealing with that. So I felt like that was a pain point. So we came up with like, let's be an end-to-end -end service provider for Amazon sellers that we handle your imports, your custom clearance, your drayage, that's pickup from the port. 3PL warehousing and then delivery into Amazon. So we started that. So um, now it's not boring anymore. So now, right. now it's a lot of movements. Now you're exactly. super busy and overwhelmed 24 exactly. 7, probably. Exactly. So I, I, it got to a point where I got so busy and like the Amazon part was my back burner. So I had a very close friend that had a good business all year round. He was also in the grocery um, business. So I said, like, maybe I take it on. So, like, sure. You can buy it off me. I'm, I'm done with it. Like I'm, I love Amazon. I want to stay in the community. I want to stay with it. And that's what I'm going to do in the logistics side. But like I'm done selling. So he bought her off before the aggregator hype. So I just gave it to him for not a, not a big deal. 
Um, but I just like here, this is what I want. If you want to take it. And then he took it over. So that's basically how I got into it. And then from there, we just started growing more and more. I knew a lot of people in the Amazon industry. I was by every single show as a seller before that. And I knew a lot of people. So we started talking and started making some noise, as I say, like the, to get my name out there. And then the Amazon restrictions came with the unit restrictions and the inventory restrictions right beginning of COVID. That's where we really blew up a lot because you had big sellers that used to always send everything into Amazon. They never needed a warehouse or a 3PL. Correct. And that's when we really started getting a lot of inquiries. And then the last three years has been a, a crazy ride, very stressful, but but we've helped a lot of Amazon sellers. And uh, that's what that's what I do every day is just help them logistically because most sellers are good at what they do. It's not the logistics part. It's the part where like what you guys do, like is helping them grow their listings, optimization, keywords, all that. That's what really sellers are good at. And that's where they want to focus on bringing in new products, growing their brand. Logistics is something that used to be very boring. It's not as boring as much as it used to be just because it was so much chaos the last two years with logistics. Everybody got to know more what's happening on that side, but it's still a stressful part of the business. So um, for me to be able to take that off an Amazon seller, I think it helped out a lot of sellers that we service. And uh, that's what I do. I enjoy it every day. That's that's an amazing story when like you know we have a lot of clients who are coming to us and they're saying i want to sell on amazon because i want this hands-free time so when i'm not doing anything you got into this time you actually got into like big sales and you're like i'm bored i don't want to do it anymore <laughs> and uh, at this point you know uh, uh it's it reminded me myself very very much because when i got into selling figures I'm like, well, now I kind of have everything and everything is working and I got bored too. I always keep doing some other stuff as well, but I remember this feeling and you always like, especially if you're an extrovert, you want to do more stuff with like other people and like move somewhere to right. have these calls, conversations, because like, yeah, you can check your account and everything is working there and you can see the numbers of sales, but nothing is happening. Like, you know, we have problems. Right. And sometimes we, like, we're weird people. Like, we, we want everything to be in peace and quiet. But at the same time, we're like, no, you know, when it's in right. peace and quiet, I want some chaos going on. Yeah. Um, here's the question for you. So you are absolutely correct that for the past couple of years, Amazon keep coming up with uh, lots of uh, restrictions and new rules and policies for, like, uh, limitations. At the same time, when uh, if you're selling pretty fast, these limitations are going away. And at the same time, I believe a week ago, I, I'm a little bit lost in the time. So I think a week ago, yeah, right after uh, ASGTG, uh, Amazon came up with the new rules, with a new policy about the inventory. So how you can comment this new approach and uh, new inventory changes and uh, how they're going to store it and how this piece uh, will work out and how you can help sellers at this point and how it's beneficial now for you and for the sellers. Right. So basically what I did work on the last few weeks, um, this new inventory, um, first of all, the, the fees are going all up in April of 2023 this year. And what I basically worked on is basically a deck where 
Um, I'm going to be presenting it probably uh, this coming week. I'm being by an event, but I'll probably share it around with different service providers to see it as well. Is basically comparing apples to apples is like people think like I'm going to send everything into Amazon, whatever they let me and just leave it there. They don't realize that after a month and a half of being having product in Amazon, you're paying like it starts like doubling, tripling and even quadrupling a couple of times by having your product on Amazon. So the right approach is is basically how to manage your inventory. Try not to have more than probably six to eight weeks of inventory in Amazon in and know your costs, know what it costs you per unit um, to have an Amazon and have it versus in a 3PL or in your own basement, depending how big you are. And it's really shocking to me where some sellers don't realize is like, is I took a scenario where a full pallet, right? Amazon charges storage by cubic feet. Um, we charge by pallet. Some places charge by cubic feet. Most 3PLs charge by pallet. But you take like an average height of a pallet and I divide it into cubic feet. And I'll, I'll just say the number, but it doesn't really matter the number, but it's around 75 cubic um, feet is um, approximately one pallet. And you take that and you just put it into Amazon's rates. And you see how that goes month over month. The first three months, it's not terrible. But once you start doing over three months and then you had six months and then a year, and it came out to be a year, if it's there for 365 days plus, you're paying $500 a pallet a month. And sometimes people don't realize like, hey, yeah, 80, 90% of my product are really selling well. The sell-through rate is good. I'm fine with that. And then you have like two, three SKUs that are really not doing so well. And it's just sitting in Amazon. You don't care. But you don't realize that that 20% that's laying around there is really, really biting into your profit and eating up the well-sold product, the product that you are making money and eating that up. Because you look at just one pallet, it costs you $300 over six months. Over a year, it's $500 a month. And that's additional to their regular charges. So it's even more than that. And you'd pay that every month. So let's say you have two, let's say you have 50 pallets worth of product in Amazon, if you're a nice size seller. Correct. And you have three, four pallets sitting around, that's over $2,000 a month, just on that. So yeah. that's where really people really add it. It's a mortgage right. for like uh, every yeah. apartment or yeah, exactly. townhome. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's something that people really need to understand is thinking, sending everything into Amazon if you could, and you're not sure if you're going to sell it in the next two months or month and a half is really going to really gamble your money and gamble your, your business based on that, because you feel like, hey, I'm saving a lot of money by sending it to Amazon because I'm avoiding the 3PL side where it's in and out and all those fees. But if you calculate all of that, those numbers really pile up. So that's what I'm trying to, that's what I put out. I created a deck as basically 3PL versus um, Amazon FBA. And the same thing is with ordering from China is, is like people bring in a ton of product because you want to be in stock, but don't send it all into Amazon, divide it up, do something like that. So that was something that I worked on. And the second part of that I worked on was supply chain as a whole, right? Prices blew up like crazy in the last year and prices came down, thank God, by a lot. And where yeah. and where's the parts where it came down and where it did not change? So sometimes people want to negotiate or they start looking around for changes where this cannot change. 
um, this is where it is. Things got inflated. This is where it stays. And then there's parts where prices went down, like supplies came down a lot. Actual physical pallets, customers used to pay $20, $22 a pallet a half a year ago, and now it's $10, $15. Um, then you have ocean freight where a year ago was $20,000, and now it's $1,500. So a lot of things have changed, but you have to know when you're trying to work on your cost and make sure your cost per unit, um, what it costs you, know your facts where things that you can negotiate because a lot of 3PLs out there and a lot of companies out there just stayed with their high rates, even though rates came down at their costs. It's like the right thing is like you go and negotiate, you go and speak to your um, logistics partner, whatever you use, try to get that cost down because supplies came down, trucking came down, freight forwarding came down and make sure that you're getting the right, you're paying the right amount for each of these services. The only piece that stayed in place that affects um, most sellers is leases on buildings or buying buildings for 3PLs went up like crazy. That didn't budge yet. And the same thing with labor is when COVID hit, um, we had to increase everybody's salary. And I'm sure all 3PLs have, um, I know a lot of 3PLs have the same issue and probably people that have their own warehouses as well. You were not able to get people into your door by paying minimum wage. Those days are over. So every single employee that we have, and we have approximately 130 employees in California, they're all getting paid above minimum wage because there was no other way. There was so much demand for employees and everybody started raising like, hey, that guy is giving me $20 an hour. Here, I only get paid 16. Like, I'm going to go for 20, right? So everybody had to keep their people in the door. So that's the two things that didn't change yet. Labor did not come down, and I don't think it will. And it will not, of course. Probably. And then the moment leases, people feel this taste, right. they will never go back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and then the second part is, is the lease rate. So when your 3PL gave you an increase on your storage, it's not something that's to laugh about or try to, hey, uh, I want to pay cheaper. It's this is the two things that stay, but anything other than that has dropped drastically in price. So know when you negotiate what you're negotiating for and know which parts you could negotiate. Because like I, I've bumped into a seller and there when the prices for containers was down to three thousand, um when was it uh, October time or September time? It was down to three thousand already. And they were still paying eight thousand. I said, like, what's going on? I said, like, I don't know. My freight forwarder is telling me that the congestion is still there. And and that I told him, like, hey, like, we charge this amount. It makes some sense. They're taking advantage of you. Um, so we, I hear a lot of these scenarios still till today. Ocean freight yeah. much less because everybody talks about it that it got so cheap. But on warehousing or on supplies or on trucking, like, don't pay double anymore because a year ago was double. The price is down 50%. You could get a better rate. Go and negotiate. So that's that's always my vision. Is when I had my own co-packer and everything was that it was all about unit costs, knowing what it costs you, so you know how much you could spend on PPC, you can know how much you could spend on on uh, pictures or anything marketing that you need to do for your product, because you know your landed cost is X Y Z. If it's going to sell in a month, this is what it costs me. If it's going to sell in two months, it's going to cost me a little more. But you, at least you know what your unit cost is. That's the most important thing to be successful on Amazon. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I fully agree with you here. So uh, to my understanding, you guys are shipping containers. 
do you work with like smaller shipments when people are shipping like two, three thousand units, or you're working with containers only? Period. Um, no, we have both. We have it's called FCL, that's full container loads. Then you have LCL, that's less container loads. Um, that we do obviously full container loads will come out to be cheaper per unit, but obviously if the if a seller is not there yet, um, LCL is probably the better option by going by ear. You really have to have light and small compact product to really, it should pay per unit or it sells for a nice value, a nice amount that you can mark it up nicely. Um, but air cargo could be very expensive. Um, just yeah, I mean, like a few thousand by, units, right? But by C, yeah. right? By C, it's mostly a lot of them do LCL, less container loads. Um, it's still way cheaper than air, but sometimes if you have an emergency, obviously. It would be the only savior. And you can us. and you can help with that. Correct. Are you um you uh, are you working with like on cantons in China or you're like uh, working just with like the major ones like? So we have a in COVID we were forced to open up our own office and have our own staff in China. Till then we used to work with agents there, um, and then they told me like, hey, I don't know you, I don't know who you are, like we don't have space, we don't have anything for you. And we had like 750 containers waiting to be shipped and we couldn't ship it out. So within four weeks, we we had um, my uncle has uh, he's a partner in a manufacturing company there. And we asked him if you have any extra employees So like, yeah, I have one guy that's actually doing the logistics for that manufacturing company. He might be the right fit. So um, we hired him. And then within four weeks, we had an office in China. And like and basically what we did at that time where we were just hunt, we were like space hunters. So we went and we called up hundreds of freight forwarders, agents, vessel companies, and tried to get space from them. Um, they were not honoring our contracts that we had. They told me they have no space. They didn't want to give it to us. So that's how we created our office in China. And that's what we right now, we have that. Um, and basically, that office in China manages all their space that we need. Um, if they need warehousing there, or like sometimes the LCL, for example, needs to come to a warehouse first, and then they get combined onto other loads. Um, we have those connections, so that's how we that's how we operate right now out of China. When the seller is supposed to con connect you and contact you, like uh, if they already have the order to go, or the moment they they placed an order, or the, when the order is almost done and ready to ship, I would say two weeks before it's ready. Okay. Um, that's the that's the right way because like this we could get the space and um and make sure that we're getting onto that vessel so it doesn't get pushed off or anything right now it's easy because imports are down drastically and the retail side it's down 40 percent um e-camera is not as much not even close to that and um but it's still down retail still is I mean, e-commerce is what 13, 16 percent of total um, total market share. So retail obviously still dominates, but retail is down drastically. So anybody that says they have no space fee or anything like that is just doesn't know what he's doing. So right now it's easy, but the right way is to book it two weeks in advance um, and then have it scheduled. So right when it gets ready, we it could get picked up right away, go to the port so we could catch that first vessel available. Um, because from when it's ready till it gets on a vessel, it's usually a five to seven day period. 
So they need to have a three days in the port before. They need to clear customs in China and all that. So the, the best way is two weeks in advance. Makes sense. So given that the cheapest way to ship from China is the West Coast, what is your best recommendation uh, to arrange the logistics? Like, for example, when you're creating the shipment inside of the Amazon account, Amazon is the one who is deciding where your shipment is going to. And most of the times, Amazon is not letting you do the West Coast. And even you are talking to your uh, manager inside of the Amazon account, they're not always willing to change for you the location, especially if you're like mediocre uh, seller yet, right? Right. So what is your best uh, solution here and what is your best recommendation at this point? Because right. you already said you have 3PL at the West Coast. Right. So I would say most, sorry, most um, sellers, I would say probably 30, 40% of our customers that we have probably use a software for that. So there used to be Shipper Makers Pro where they are not really functional right now. But there is Seller Chain, there's Nine Yard, there's other softwares probably too. I'm just not, uh, I don't know all the companies that do it out there. Basically, what they do is they have, you create the FBA shipment within their software. And what they do is in the shipment, um, I forgot the name of it, what the name of it is. It's basically when you start the shipment and then you confirm the FBA shipment. So the process before when you start the shipment in Seller Central, you do not see which locations Amazon chain will take it to. Um, you only, once you want to go confirm, that's where they give you the locations. And then they say, hey, it has to go to South Carolina, Florida, and then California or Arizona. And that's where it gets very expensive. So their algorithm basically sees where Amazon is routing it now. And they could grab one location instead of multiple locations and get it to go to that location. So the most people that really have a hard time with it is people that sell oversized product because oversized product does not go into it's called transload facilities. Um, Amazon has transload facilities for standard size products where it goes in there and then it gets dispersed around 19, 20 uh, different uh, warehouses around the country versus oversized mostly goes into fulfillment centers. So if you're routing it, um, they want it to have in the East Coast, they want to have in somewhere in the middle of the country or it's Texas or it's uh, it's uh, Ohio or it's Chicago. And then you have the West Coast where they can send it to Arizona, they can send it to California or Nevada. So that's where that software comes in and it tries to save you. But the only down part to that is that it goes into fulfillment center, let's say in Arizona or in California. Amazon's algorithm and you sit in Florida or I sit here in New York, your listings won't come up as fast if you have a lot of competition that do have product here in the east coast so that's the only part where it gets a little tricky is with oversized but standard size products a lot of them it goes to one location or lately i've seen two to three locations but even though all of them are in california for some reason so i don't know what they're trying to test out right now um so that's okay for standard size because it's still going local it's still getting paid cheap but oversized is the biggest deal like everybody's telling me like hey do you have do you have anybody that has listings going to California? And then these softwares used to be able to figure that out. But Amazon, obviously, the more you trick them, the more they try to figure that out and try to fix yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, so uh, I will a little bit, uh, rephrase my question. So when we're shipping from China, the cheapest way to ship the product is to the West Coast. And it's almost like double. I think it's one 
to 1.3, $1 $1.5 per kilogram right now. If you're shipping from China to West Coast, and it's almost $3 if you're shipping somewhere else else to the East Coast, because right. like, again, you have to do like a bigger route. So would it not be cheaper if people will be shipping to the West Coast, for example, to your 3PL, and then you will be already shipping uh, from your 3PL to Amazon the amount of inventory they actually need to have in a warehouse? So it's not going to be cheaper. It will be more expensive because probably, I mean, not always, depends where it really goes to. If Amazon is sending it to New Jersey or to Florida um, from the West Coast, you're going to pay more on your trucking than you would pay to import it straight to that area. So if you import it to, let's say, the East Coast, you say it's, let's say it's $3, um, it's probably going to be 4 4.2 if you're trucking it over. Um, even though trucking got much, much cheaper, if you're sending full truckloads, let's say from California to New York right now, it's around 4,800, 5,000. When you ship a full container to East Coast, it's around 3,000. So that just gives you the idea where, when that happens. So what some sellers do, they use a software, like I said, or they basically um, test it out before it leaves China. They could prepare a shipment and they see where it's supposed to go to, and then, then they route it there. The issue is that once you create an FBA shipment, after 30 days, they cancel the PO. So how do you go about that? So what you would do is basically you would ask the trucking company they, they would use if they make appointments into Amazon, we could do it, or other 3PLs that provide that service of trucking. If we make an appointment within that 30-day period, then what happens in Amazon goes from completed, it goes into in transit. So as long as Amazon sees that it's in transit, you have 90 days to be able to get it into Amazon. So that's more on bigger shipment, but even on LCL, like a less container load, let's say if you're sending 3,000 units, you want to send all of them into Amazon or even half of it, even if it comes to the East Coast or to the West Coast, you could still be under the 90-day period. So as long as you make sure that your freight forwarder or your trucking company or your 3PL makes appointment on Amazon within that 30-day period, then your PO won't get deleted and you're bringing it into the right port where you're saving the most on your cost on it. So that's what I've been doing with some sellers that are trying to be as strategic as possible is they create the shipment before it leaves. Some of them even label in China. Um, but even if you're not labeling, you're going to label it in the US, only part of it, at least, you know that this PO is not getting deleted for 90 days. Okay, sounds good. So generally speaking, the sellers, they can come to you if they need 3PL, if they need to ship from China to US, if they need to ship in between US, uh, type of all these logistics, uh, you can take care of it. Correct. Okay, so now tell me A to Z when we want to contact you. Like we sellers, as sellers, we wanna ask tacticals to take care of everything and we have to be, we will be hands-free at this point. Sure. So basically, the best way to contact me, if you go on our website, it's tacticallogistic.com. You click on contact us. Um, you get like a form, like a couple of questions. You put in your information there. It goes directly into my inbox. And then basically, I respond within uh, like a meetings link where they can schedule a meeting with me and talk to me. Or if they want to get rates, if they have any specifics, um, they could just reach out and then I connect them with... Uh, with my freight forwarding team or with my 3PL team, whatever team they need, 
if they really know exactly what they need. If they're not sure, they can schedule a time um, with me, or I could go through our rate sheet with them, or people have sometimes just questions they want to know. I have no problem answering them and getting on a call. That's amazing. So, guys, as you heard right now, genuinely speaking, even the prices went down. Not every single forwarder is ready to share this information with you. And sometimes we're just blind because we trust the market, we trust everything that is going on, and we trust everything that's been in the past and made sense even with being upset with that and disappointed. So with Tactical, you will be able to lower your cost today, even it was very high a year ago and two years ago, just because the cost went down and nobody's going to overcharge you because the Amazon game and the any business game is a fair game. As long as you play, as long as you play it fair and the numbers make sense, because it, again, we all want to make money and the purpose to do the business is <clears throat> to get rich and wealthy and not bored one day. So uh, please reach out tactical and, and prime uh, whenever you can, because when you are going to ship something and work out your logistics, no matter it's coming from China or inside of the United States, they will take care of all this stuff and you will be free. <laughs> Me, for example, I hate logistics. I don't like it. I don't want to deal with that. And I rather to delegate it to someone who is really, really professional. And uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining me no today on the podcast. If you have something else to share with the audience, it's a good time to do that. No, I think I gave it uh, all that I, I have uh, to help right now. And I'm really glad to be on your podcast and to be a part of this uh, beautiful Amazon community where there's no other industry that I know of that has that beautiful community where so many people, sellers, service providers really try to help each other out to really help people grow and prosper and make money and be successful. So um, I'm really blessed to be part of this community. I call it my second family. So um, that's basically what I what I have in mind is just to stay part of this and hopefully help sellers as much as we can and just educate people on how to go about their logistics and about selling on Amazon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And say hi to Pearl. Like she's amazing. Like guys, this family is doing logistics that is covering everything, but we'll talk about it later in the future podcast. Thank you. And thank you. Talk to you soon.